Chapter 3. The Announcement Megan didn't feel like going to school. But as she lay in bed after turning off her alarm clock, she imagined herself skipping, went through the likely chain of consequences in her mind, and finally realized that it just wasn't worth it. Grudgingly accepting her situation, she forced herself into the shower, to her closet, and down the stairs. She dreaded this part most of all. Whoa, Megan, what is this? Five days in a row? What? You're going again today? Call the school board. It was enough to make her turn around and head right back to bed. Almost. Fortunately for Megan, as she got to the bottom of the stairs, she could see that it was just Vicky sitting in the kitchen, reading a magazine and finishing a glass of juice. Vicki Campbell always seemed to be happy, even bubbly, which Megan often thought completely contradicted the reasons why she should live here. But she never gave Megan a hard time. Her optimism made Megan think of her as being naive, but it was convenient at times like this. Seeing Megan, she looked up with a pleasant, sincere smile. Good morning. Megan could hear voices from the next room. Is Charlie up yet? She asked. Haven't seen him, but I think he's got things to do this morning before work if you... Vicky halfway waved her hand as her voice trailed off and she stalled by taking another sip of juice. Yes, I'm going to school, Megan muttered, releasing Vicky from her awkward pause. I'm sure he could give you a ride if you didn't want to ride the bus. Megan definitely didn't want to ride the bus. It was bad enough being teased about going to school in the first place, but as a sophomore, being forced to get there on the school bus would be beyond miserable. Megan gathered her breakfast from the refrigerator and cupboard and sat down at the end of the breakfast table next to Vicky. As Megan poured herself a bowl of cereal, Vicky finished her juice and nudged the magazine toward her. It was open to an article about Princess Di, and after setting the milk jug back down, she thumbed backwards through the pages a little to see what else she could find. Vicky collected her dishes and went to the sink. Did you hear the phone ring this morning? No, Megan responded. Megan wasn't surprised that she hadn't heard it since she didn't have a phone in her room. She sometimes thought it would be nice, but then it didn't really make a lot of sense for her to have one. Who would she call? It was around two. Howard must have picked up. I don't know who it was. We'll have to ask him when he comes down. Megan thought for a moment why someone would have called in the middle of the night, but was interrupted by Charlie trotting down the stairs. Morning, ladies. Charlie Moretti was 19, athletic, and good-looking. As with Vicky, his always cheery attitude didn't match his reason for living there, and when Megan first met him nearly a year ago, she found it somehow unsettling. But being closer in age to her than anyone else there, she had grown to think of him as a big brother. Need a ride today, Megan? Yeah, Megan responded, trying not to look overexcited, but feeling inwardly relieved. Cool, Charlie mentioned, glancing at the clock on the wall. We've got, what, 15 minutes? Yeah, I think. Charlie grabbed a different, smaller carton of milk from the refrigerator, set it on the counter, and reached around Vicky to pull a Pop-Tart from one of the cupboards. Carrying the milk in one hand, a pair of shoes in the other, and holding the toaster pastry in his mouth, he breezed over to the table and sat in the seat Vicky had just left. Leaning over toward Megan, Charlie contorted his face. Biology, he grunted in a strange voice, Pop-Tart still hanging between his lips, causing Megan to recoil and furrow her brow in a look of irritation. Charlie laughed. But Charlie was right. It was biology class that was keeping Megan from skipping school. Her teacher, Mr. Connor, had paired the students into lab partnerships so that each partner's grade depended partially on the participation of the other. And though Megan didn't really care either way about her own grade, she hated that she was put into the position of being partially responsible for someone else's. 
It wasn't driven by a sense of altruism. She just didn't want to be part of anyone else's equation. She wanted to blend into the background, to not count, to not be noticed or missed. Megan saw Charlie flash a knowing smile out of the corner of her eye. Setting his breakfast on the table, he turned in his chair to bend over and put his shoes on. In doing so, he could see into the next room. Morning, Phil, he halfway yelled. Good morning, Charlie, came the less energetic but still friendly response from around the corner. Megan knew that Phil Anderson, a quiet man on the later side of middle age, was almost certainly eating his oatmeal and grapefruit at the dining room table, watching the television and reading the paper. It had been his routine for as long as Megan had known him. Like Megan, Phil generally kept to himself. Megan respected him for that, but of course, she would never tell him that. Charlie turned to Vicky, who was putting away the dishes she had just washed. Vicky, I thought you started on day shift this week? Vicky was a secretary in the intensive care unit at the hospital, and her schedule sometimes had her working mornings, sometimes afternoons, into the late evenings. Swing, Vicky corrected him, and I don't start until tomorrow. I have today off. Ooh, what are you going to do? Charlie had gotten his shoes on and was now tearing into his unheated Pop-Tart. I don't know, Charlie, she responded with a smile. I'm sure something will present itself. The three of them were quiet for a few minutes. Megan was only half-heartedly reading the Princess Di article, and as Vicky had finished the dishes and started wiping down the countertops with a paper towel, they heard footsteps on the creaking floor in the next room. Howard Fenton was a quiet man in his fifties. He always struck Megan as being old-fashioned, both in his dress and his mannerisms. He would always take his hat off when stepping inside. He would stand whenever a woman would sit down at the table, and he would tend to refer to others as Mr. So-and-so, even when other people were calling the guy by his first name. But in the grand scheme of things, Howard was the only one of them who wasn't a guest. This was his house. Of course, maybe guest wasn't the right word. Howard had always made it clear that they were all welcome here as long as they wanted to stay. Though the adults didn't talk about it in front of Megan, she knew that the others, the one who had jobs, helped to pay for the utilities, taxes, groceries, and whatever other financial needs came up from time to time. And it was his position, more than anything else, that differentiated him from Phil. Where Phil was content to leave everyone else alone, Howard felt the need to control things. At least, that's how it felt to Megan, and she resented him for it. Howard walked in from the dining room to the kitchen, but then paused in the doorway next to Charlie. He was ready for work, wearing his tweed jacket and holding his gray hat with a thin black feather stuck in the hatband. Charlie moved his chair a little in anticipation of letting him through into the kitchen, but Howard didn't continue walking through. He stood still, looking around at the three of them in the kitchen. Megan braced herself, thinking at first that he was going to say something about her going to school, but then realized that wasn't his style. Had it been the other way around, had he walked in to see her planning to skip class, she would have much more likely gotten an earful. Officer Rowe called me last night, he said, balancing authority with a tinge of sadness. We will uh, likely be getting another roommate. The only audible response to this was from Vicky, who gasped sharply but quietly. But everyone was apparently taken aback by the news, or rather the dark truth of what it meant. A new roommate meant that someone else had jumped from the bridge and was likely just now realizing the impossibly unexpected consequences of doing so. It was obvious that no one really knew the proper way to respond. It was a new experience for Megan since she had been the most recent addition to the group. It had almost been a year since she had moved in, and in a way she was happy to not be the new girl anymore. Though, being the youngest person in the house at 15, 
the only one still in school, the only one without a job, she knew that things weren't going to change for her anytime soon. Vicky was the first to speak. Who, Howard? His name is Sam Friedman, Howard responded slowly, and he swallowed before he continued. He's seven years old. The already silent kitchen turned deathly still for a moment until Charlie let out a long breath. Vicky was visibly shaken and set down the towel she had in her hands and walked quickly from the room. Howard spoke a little more quietly, sensing the emotion. I'm meeting with Officer Rowe later today to get things straightened out. It may be a day or two before he moves in, but I'll let you know. He paused for another moment and then went into the living room. Charlie finished lacing his shoes and started gobbling down his breakfast. His mouth half full, he motioned to Megan, who had dropped all pretense of reading the article, and closed the magazine. Wow, you're not going to be the youngster around here anymore. Megan didn't respond, unsure of how to feel. For the entire day, Megan couldn't shake the thought of a seven-year-old boy jumping off the bridge. It was hard enough feigning interest in English class, even without having something like this to be preoccupied about. It didn't help that the book being assigned, The Scarlet Letter, didn't pique her interest in the slightest. After that was trigonometry, and Mr. Kahn made it a work day for the students, where they just did homework for the entire hour. In a way, Megan appreciated not having to listen to a boring lecture about angles and strange ways to figure out the hypotenuse. But in actuality, the lack of class structure made the time pass much more slowly. After lunch came biology, where the current project was earthworm dissection, but they weren't even cutting open the tiny things until next week. Today they were simply working with their lab partners on a diagram of the innards of the worm, which turned out to be pretty easy as long as you had brought your textbook with you to class and you knew which page the diagram of the worm was on. Megan hadn't brought her book to class, but her lab partner, Leah, had. He's not going to make us find the nerve cord, is he? Leah was looking at a tiny strand on the multicolored diagram in her book and trying to locate it on the photocopied worksheet they were working on together. It looks so small, we'll never find it. Megan looked at the page and sighed. I don't know, seems like he gets a charge out of asking stuff like that. She was right. In a previous section, which was on fruit flies, the teacher had the students scrambling to determine the sex of the insects, and after trying for 15 minutes to compare wing length, Megan and Leah had given up and assigned the tiny creatures' genders based on eeny, meeny, miny, moe. They finished the worksheet with plenty of extra time, and Megan and Leah decided to look as though they were still working for fear that they might otherwise be rewarded with an opportunity to start the dissections early. Soon it was apparent that they weren't the only ones done. The rest of the class was soon awash with conversation, and none of it was about the earthworm's multiple hearts. With about five minutes to go before the bell rang, one of the other students came up to their lab station with a piece of paper. It was Anthony, a boy Megan had had a few classes with since starting high school, but who she had never really gotten to know. Honor Society's selling candy for a fundraiser. Want to buy some? He had a small, half-pink, half-purple box of nerds that he shook, as if to sweeten the deal. Megan didn't have any cash, and Leah wasn't interested, so they both said, no thanks, and Anthony moved on to the next table. Oh, that reminds me, Leah said, after Anthony was out of earshot. We're doing a service activity for a key club tonight after school, and we're supposed to ask around for people who want to help out. Do you want to come? Megan declined. Key club didn't really sound like her idea of a fun time. Had someone else asked, she might have responded with her usual curtness, but Leah had always struck Megan as being more genuine and less flighty than other girls her age, 
and Megan secretly appreciated it. Anthony was shaking his box at the next lab station, and Megan looked over at what looked like a successful sale. The boys there both gave Anthony a dollar, and he gave them each a box in return. She watched Anthony put the money in an envelope that already looked stuffed with bills, and found herself dwelling a little longer on his smile. He turned, nearly catching her in her gaze before she moved her eyes to a spot behind him to avoid being caught, and put the envelope back in the inside pocket of his coat, then walked back over to his desk. Megan looked down, snapping herself out of the idle trance she had slipped into, and gathered her things as the bell rang.